0: Amen. Hey man, good morning, guys. How you guys doing? Why you guys sitting in the back? I'm not gonna bite. We're not gonna, we're not gonna bite you. We, we love you guys. Well, my name is Pastor Chris. Um, my name is actually not Pastor Chris. It's Christopher with a pastor in front of it. But please don't call me Pastor Christopher. It's still brand new, kind of freaky, weird, and I don't know really uh, what it means yet. So all new to this kind of thing. But um, yeah, I get the awesome privilege of speaking to you today about the fifth commandment. We're gonna chop it up and dissect it and go all crazy with it. But before we do that, there's something so important that you need to understand because if you don't get this principle, if you don't get this point, you're going to go on thinking that these commandments are the end all with the relationship with God, that they're the only thing that matters. And so I think whenever we deal with commandments commandments like these or list of rules or, or sets of rules like these or big chunks of scriptures where we read all these do's and don'ts, our minds kind of get trapped to the point where we think, oh, yeah, if I follow these things, I can get into a relationship with God. Or if if I have strict allegiance to these things, that means that I'm gonna get closer to God, and I'm gonna get more holier than thou. And, but that's, that's so dangerous. That's more than false. See, Exodus twenty twelve. he, God said something interesting to Egypt, and see, I mean, Israel, and, and we're, we're studying the law of Israel. I mean, what God gave to Israel, he breathed on them saying, look, I'm going to show you my law. This is what I want you to do. This is how I want you to live. This is how I want you to treat each other and me. And he says this, I'm the Lord, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. See, God did the work. He saved them by his grace. They didn't deserve it. They didn't initiate it. They didn't sustain it. Nothing. He did it. There's no you inside that thing. There's no, okay, I did it, so I deserve it, so God, you better bring me out of Egypt because I'm a good follower of you. No, there was nothing about Israel's work inside that that, that scripture. It was all God. See, God, you don't get yourself into a relationship with God. You might think so, but you don't. God gets you into a relationship with God. He gets you into a relationship with Him. Yes, you might accept it, and yes, you might push on and follow Him, but really, it's Him grabbing you because most of us, actually all of us, including Pastor Terry, B- Pastor Blake, we're all, even though you might think we're holy because we're on stage, we're all mess-ups, and <laughs> I'll save that word for later. I'm going to use it later in the sermon, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to say that. But yeah, but we're all mess-ups, but look it. We don't deserve what God gives us but God still gives it to us. We don't deserve to be close to God, but God still brings us close to Him. We don't do extraordinary work so God can bless us. God blesses us in the first place, even when we're rejecting Him. That's what we did to Israel. See, these commandments are not the key to the beginning of a relationship with God, but rather the guide for its maintenance and health. They're guardrails of grace so you can walk with him, not run from him. Because it's too easy when we get to the point we think, okay, all these list of commandments, if I just follow these things and do what the Bible says and not really care about anything else, just follow rules, follow rules, I'm going to get closer to God, but that's a lie. If you follow these, once you're in a relationship with God, they increase the quality of your relationship. They increase the health of them. But it doesn't get you into a relationship with God. You don't become saved or a Christian by just following rules. And we'll look at that later on. So commandment number five, Exodus 20, 12. If you want to open there, that'd be awesome. It's a very short verse, and I studied my, my tail off trying to figure out what this verse really meant and why Pastor Terry had me speak about honoring your father and mother. I know my parents are here. Mom, where are you? You're right in the front. That's dangerous. <laughs> that's, that's, that's dangerous. You're my bodyguard, PT. <laughs> so... Exodus 20:12. honor your father and mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Pretty simple, right? Honor your father and mother, and you're going to live long. I mean, we, I don't care if you're a Buddhist, a Christian, an atheist, if you're a parent, you've used this, and you might not recognize it. You've used this. You've used a little, I mean, I can't even wait. I don't have kids, but I can't even wait till I get to the point where me and Brittany, Brittany can go, hey, look at Billy. God says, if you don't treat me right, you're not going to live a long life, so, so, <laughs> You're kind of out of this thing, you know, you, you better follow this or, you know, it's simple. You think, okay, you, you treat your parents right, you're going to live a long life. It's pretty, you know, period, why am I up here? Let's go home, let's get some lunch. But before we go on to and unpack it, I want you guys to see what other people view of this commandment. So check out the screens. All right, we're out here in Martinez, and we're going to ask a few people on the streets a simple question. What do they know about the actual commandment number five, honoring your father and mother? All right, I'm here with Mark, and we had this one simple question: What do you think about honoring your father and mother? That's one of the most important things you can do. Knowing how to love, love your family, um, is is what they left with me, and I, I, my my two kids, I'm trying to do the same thing with them, my two daughters. Awesome, thank you. Thank you. Well, I'm with Urban today, and we're just gonna apple. We're, okay, sorry. Yep. Wow. No apples. <laughs> nope. I'm with Irvin today, and we're going to ask one simple question once again. What do you think about honoring your father and mother? It's like, what comes to mind when you hear that? Um, I mean, I definitely support that idea. I'm, uh, I'm Indian. I'm East Indian. And there in India, there's definitely a huge emphasis on sort of familial piety to doing your duties towards your family and respecting your mother and father. But I don't, in, in my book at least, I don't think I should, uh, I shouldn't uh, take them as, as sort of axioms that I should always follow. I think there is some sort of wiggle room because I think we're fi- we, we faced very different uh, social worlds. They faced India, they grew up in India and I grew up in America. Awesome. Thanks so much. Have a great day. All right, I'm with Josh today, and i got to ask you, Josh, what do you think uh, about the whole commandment of honoring your father and mother? Uh, Well, you should respect them, and if they ask you to do something, I guess you should do it, unless you actually know it's wrong. If you were a parent right now at age 12, would you want your children to honor you? Yeah. Enough said. Thank you so much. Have a great day. They weren't always fair, but, you know... I- as a parent, neither was I. I did the best I could. Love my son, and be loved by him, i sure I got that. I'm sure I got that. That's the way of life. Okay. Reese and Nathan. Reese and Nathan, I have a question for you. What do you think about your parents? How? Why should you love your parents? Who wants to answer first? They're, they're nice, and they let us have this dog. Yeah. So what if your parents didn't give you all the nice things, would you still love them? Why? Um... Those because... Yeah. They're your parents. Your family, and so... Awesome! Well, thanks, guys. You rock. Can I have some candy? Alright, I'm here with Rob today, and I got one simple question, buddy. What, what do you think about loving your parents and honoring them? Uh, it's what we need to do. I mean, you don't... Now that I am a parent, I didn't realize how much parents give and, and lay down for the sake of their children. I mean... You know, that fatherly love for your kids, you know, you're really looking out for them. Sometimes it's, you know, it seems like you're trying to discipline them or go uh, uh, being negative or sometimes oblivious to their needs. Right. As a kid, you're like, oh, you're oblivious to my needs. But really, the parents looking out for your best interest no matter what. And it's always out of love, even if it's, you know, through, you know, discipline. And uh, that's why you should respect and love your parents, because they know more through wisdom, uh, through I mean, through even just praying over your lives. They just really look out for you. That's deep. Thanks so much, dude. Have a great day. All right, I'm with Jacqueline, and we're going to ask one simple question. Just what do you think about honoring your, your father and mother about, about loving them? Why should you? And- well, first of all, because they had you, number one. And number two, I think they deserve it. You know, what they put forth as far as, you know, working, providing a house, uh, paying utilities, buying food for you, I think that is most important. Someone who is going to take care of you and they protect you. So I think it's important to honor your parents, yes. Awesome, thank you so much, that's perfect. So I'm here with Andrew and I'm Chris. I gotta ask a question to you, bro. What do you think about parents? Do you love them, do you hate them? Why should you honor them? It's a love-hate relationship, you know what I'm saying? But, whoa, we wanna bleep that out. But overall, you gotta love them, you feel me? Yeah. Why, why, why do you wanna love your parents? Like an all real question, like why should you love them? Cause family over everything. Ooh, I like that. All right. Oh, thanks, boss. Well, that concludes our Man on the Street interview. We hope you got some insightful looks into people's minds. We'll see you next time. We had way too much fun filming that, didn't we, Ian? There's probably 20 takes in the cart. Hope we didn't get in trouble. But So, see, those people had really interesting points. I mean, I would say all of them are correct in one way or another. And we'll find that out later on. But before you... Dive into this text and unpack it and understand it. You have to understand the value and purpose of a family. Because if you don't understand that and have that context, really understanding this, this, this verse, it, it won't get you anywhere. Because you don't understand why there's a family institution, a family institution why God set it up this way. So we're going to fly by, either buckle up, because it's going to be really quick. We're going to fly by from square one and look at the first purpose of the family, starting in Genesis, where God created humans in his image. See, we share in part the qualities and characteristics of God. We had that inside of us. Part two, God created people so as to need and find fulfillment in relationship. See, we were intentionally created for community, not isolation. God didn't create us so we can be by ourselves in a box, but be with people and ultimately be with Him. God created, number three, the roles of husband and wife to experience this fulfillment through intimacy and companionship. We see because... You have uh, the husband leaving their parents and being unified as one. Number four, God also set up the roles of a husband and wife to kind of reflect the roles of Jesus and, our, and us, the church. You know, Jesus loves us, so the husband loves the wife. The wife submits to the husband as, as we do to uh, Jesus. And then lastly, God intended for the husband and wife to reproduce, to procreate, to make some babies. If you understand? If you know what I'm saying? make some babies. It's a crucial piece of the design. Without reproducing, we're not going to be able to nurture and love and train the kids up. So the first purpose in the family is relationships, to support and cultivate a community that nourishes the the characteristics and qualities of love and and patience and forgiveness and and honor and all those that comes from the parents, from relationships and from learning. So since the first purpose serves as a foundation for this, for this community and love, the second purpose is a means by which that foundation of relationships gets passed along to the next generation. It's not just about relationships, but about reverberation, about spreading God's story to the next generation. Not just about the, the, the society you have in a household, but about getting that, about what God's done to you, to the next generation. That kind of telling your children about what has, what God has done for you, and to you, and in you. So if you look at Psalm 78, 5, this is an interesting, um, interesting psalm about Israel. And God says to Israel, I gave you a law, which is what we're reading now in, in Exodus. I gave you the law. I gave you the way which you should live. I gave you my word. And then I commanded you, your fa- the fathers, to teach their children that the next generation might not or might know them. So me. So God said, look, I gave you the law. I gave you this word. I gave you this. Now your responsibility. Now I'm commanding you to teach your children about this. To teach your children what I have done with you and for you and to you and how I've gotten you out of Egypt, out of slavery. You have to teach your children that because it wasn't written down. and It was all passed by verbally, by words, by stories. So it was up to the parents in order to tell their children about God or that would be it and they would be in rebellion. Because if you notice in verse 11, a few verses later, it says they forgot. So Israel forgot his works. They forgot what God did. They forgot that God got them out of Egypt and the wonders he had shown them. And they refused to walk according to God's law. So you see this interesting pattern in Psalms and all throughout Exodus and Deuteronomy. When Israel forgets about what God has done, they rebel. They reject God. They neglect Him. So it's always about, okay, Israel, okay, God did something amazing. Israel goes on going, yeah, yeah, for God. And then a little later, time goes on. They forget about what God has done, and then they get into rebellion. So it's only when they forget about what God has done is when they get into rebellion. See, God created the family organization not only to relate, but to repeat. They were to carry on a legacy by repeating, passing down, and carrying along what God has done. That's the only way that we could carry on God's story is by our parents telling us, and by us telling our children. See, Ephesians 6 says this. Ephesians 6, 4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. Listen to this. But bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. See, parents, were back then, 2,000 years ago, and are still designed to train and nurture and bring up their children. But not just in a society kind of way where you get to vote and to pay taxes. No, no, it says in the Lord. Repeating to them what God has told you, what God has done with you, into you, for you. All the stuff that God has done, the amazing works that you didn't deserve, you are supposed to tell your children that so they can follow God, so they can love people, so they can love God. If you don't pass that on, it stops there. One of my favorite pastors, John Piper in Minnesota, he says this, a parent ought to have in mind from the beginning that the way they hold their child, spank them, affirm them, and demand things from them should be telling them, showing them, and giving them a feel for who God is. So what you do with the children should be giving them a feel for who God is, both in his sweet and tender side and in his tough, powerful, just, and wrathful side. There's the loving part where you show your children love and grace by forgiving them and by, by, by blessing them and by, by leading them and loving them and serving them. But also a part where you have to be tough, where you have to show God's side, discipline, instruction. See, I think we forget that, that God has two sides. Not two sides, but, but he, he's, he's full of these qualities of love and of justness, of grace and just, of, of wrath and mercy. We forget that. We ignore it. We kind of stuff it away, going, no, 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 God's not wrathful, God doesn't get angry. But he does. People offend him. And so he has to discipline them, to teach them. All the discipline you see in Hebrews, when, when God says yeah, people disciplined by God, or, or people disciplined, like if God disciplines you for, for maybe rebelling or doing something, or in, in Israel, when, when, when he disciplines them, it was for their good. So yes, there's love in the wrathful side. Yes, there's love in discipline, but he still has that part. And that's where you're supposed to instruct your children in, both sides of God, loving them, bringing them up to follow God. I don't know why we think this, but I know I I just get this because I I get to to be with the kids on Wednesday nights throughout the week. And a lot of parents seem to think and believe that it's my responsibility to teach their kids or Pastor Terry or Pastor. I'm new, so you're in in bad luck if you're trying to get me to teach your kids right now. (laughs) or Pastor Blake or any of us they think that it's the school's job to teach their kids and raise them up they think that it's the, the, the counselor or, or their friends or, or TV or, or newspapers or magazines or internet anything to help them raise their kids up so they kind of rely on us on other people to raise their kids up but it's, it's not right. God said, look, I set you up in a way where you're supposed to raise your kids up. You're supposed to love them. You're supposed to nurture them. And you're supposed to discipline them. You don't look on someone else to discipline them. You don't wait for me to get to see the kids' problems and discipline them. So I'll slap them hard. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> I didn't. That, that's a Blake thing. That's a, that's a Blake thing. I'm joking. But see, I'm, I'm not responsible for teaching them. You are. You get the blessing and the privilege of raising up a human life. God entrusts you with the soul, and you're supposed to raise them up to be close with Jesus. That's why God values the family so much, because he's trusting you. He's giving you the responsibility of bringing them up. And if you don't, you fail at that, and you, you, you cut off the possibility of them getting closer to God when you don't train them up. It's harder for them. Not to get, closer to, or to get closer to God when you don't train them up. Of course, because you're so close to them, you have a relationship where you can pour into them. And if you choose to not invest in them correctly, they can go the wrong way, which we'll see later. So you need to know that. You're responsible for developing the next generation, which is huge. Now, with all that in mind, think back to Exodus twenty twelve. Honor your father and mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Later on, I'm going to give the secret to happiness. If you read my shirt, says the secret to happiness is to, I, apparently I forgot to give it last service. I've, I, people came up to me and go, what is the secret to happiness? And they don't, you know, I they got in trouble apparently for doing that. But I will give it to you. I'll give you that. And as you see here, God's promising. Look it, if you obey or honor your father and mother, you're going to live long. So what's that connection? So w- w- when I read through scriptures, when I read through the Bible, I always ask questions. Because even though I went through four years of Bible college, I, also, I, I don't know what the heck's going on in the Bible still. Because there's so much, there, there's so much inside here that I can, I can be studying it all my life and not understand. So I have to ask questions. I have to go slow. And if you understand this right now, you better come up to me right now. Let me talk to you. Because there's no way you understand this. Yeah, you might get some glimpses, and you might understand a little bit, but there's no way you can just sit here and go, okay, I get that, yeah, okay, and, and then move on. You have to slow down. You have to dissect it. You can't, you can't swallow an elephant. You have to chop it up. So, That's the quote, right? Someone said that. Blake's wife, can you stop laughing at my jokes? i was <laughs> joking. So I ask questions. You always want to read first, ask questions, and then study deeper. If you don't ask questions, you're going to skip right past it. So I asked the first question when I read this. I said, what, what does God mean, imply, when it says honor? Like, what does that word mean? What did, what did the culture know about that word? What did honor mean to Israel? What did honor mean to God? What, does he impl- what is he implying when he's saying that? Is it simple? Is it, is it heavy? What does it mean? Question number two, what do you do if your parents aren't honorable? What do you do if your parents don't, in your words, deserve the respect that you should give them? And number three, what is the connection between honoring your parents and the possibility of living long? Because I want to know that connection. And I'm sure you do too. So I'm going to so go to the first question. What does God mean when he's saying honor? What does he mean? What does that word mean? What, is it, what does it have to do with, with parents and, and why honor and why not obey? Why not trust? Why not love? Why honor? See, honor, the actual word, kebet in the Hebrew language, really means to give weight to, to make something heavy. To give something the weight that it's due, so I'm glad my mom's in the front, the front of this the, the service because I get to talk about her now. This is a chance that so I get to talk about it. See, I, I was I think what, six years ago I started driving and, and I got my license and I would drive everywhere. I mean, I would drive everywhere in any way I can. I would even get groceries for my parents just to drive. And I, I don't do that anymore. So that was special back then. I love driving. I love driving with my parents. It's cool, you know. It's it great. I get in the, in the car with my mom and drive on the street and everything was fine. I get on the freeway and I, I can tell that her blood pressure would rise a little bit uh, and her eyes were kind of bulging when I get on the freeway. But man, let me tell you, when I get next to an 18-wheeler, that lady is either speaking in tongues or cussing in Sicilian because she's doing something that I don't understand <laughs> what's going on. I mean, she is holding on to anything. She will make a handle out of anything that she can. She's her veins bulging, and Christopher, pass the truck or stay behind it. You know, she's going crazy. She's going crazy. Why? Why is she going crazy? It's just a truck. I have a car. I can drive past it. Why the unease, you ask? Because when you're around something heavy, you treat it with respect. Because it's dangerous. Because it can do harm. Because it's powerful. When you're around something that's large and heavy, you are more careful with it. You treat it differently. And that's what God is saying. Look, you need to ascribe weight to your parents so you treat them differently than just the average Joe on the street. A Wesleyan, pastor, a Wesleyan pastor once said this, the concept of honor is of something or someone who cannot easily be dismissed. You can't just overlook your parents, he's saying. You can't just overlook what God is talking about. Like a huge boulder in the road, it is something we must make allowance for. Like a heavy weight, it is pressing upon our thoughts. Like something glorious, we have a sense of awe or reverence for the person or thing. See, the bottom line is God is saying, look it, I'm commanding you that you should treat your parents with a sober and deep in deep respect. Give them, it, it literally means, give them the weight of authority they deserve. And we'll find out the whole thing about deserving li- a little later. But basically, treat them differently. Treat them with care. Give them authority that they deserve. Now, the weight of this command is seen throughout all the scripture. It's not just in the honoring your father and mother scripture. Deuteronomy 27:16. Don't go there. Just listen, please. Cursed is the one who treats his father or his mother with contempt, and all the people shall say amen. Proverbs 1.8. My son, hear the instruction of your father and do not forsake the law of your mother. Proverbs 20.20. 20, Whoever curses his father or his mother, his lamp will be put out in deep darkness. And then Proverbs 30.17. The eye that mocks his father and scorns obedience to his mother, the ravens of the valley will pick it out and the young eagles will eat it. You don't need a commentary to understand that verse, folks. The ravens are gonna pick out your eyes and the eagles are gonna eat it if you mock your father and scorn your mother. That takes the whole I'm gonna put soap in your mouth to a whole nother level, I think. <laughs> but does it offend you that God's standard is so stern? I mean laughing it is funny and it's like wow, this imagery is intense, but does it offend you that God's standard can be so stern at times? Do we give him the right to actually judge us and to actually put us in a position where we have to do things? Do we give him the the power that he deserves to actually say these things and have these consequences? I mean, most of you probably ask, why does God use these strong words? I mean, yeah, you might mock someone. It's a big deal, but it's not that big of a deal. Not to get your eyes plucked out. It's not that big of a deal. But as we'll see later, how you treat people reflects how you think and treat God. You can't separate the two. See, he... God uses intense pictures to communicate an intense principle. Because if he just said, you need to treat your parents, you know, good, you're going to ignore that. But because he says, cursed are you for not treating your parents right, you, your eyes pop open. Your mind gets more aware of what he's saying. Because you understand it's serious, not light. See, God does not take lightly the neglect of or abuse of his creation or his people. He doesn't want people stepping over people. He created them and he loves them. And that, that's what we see in the word curse. Because honor means heavy and weight, like we know. But the word curse means you're actually taking that weight away. You're making them light, trivial, insignificant, unimportant. Everything that you give them, the, the, the importance, the power, the authority, you strip it away when you curse people. And not the cursing as in the, as, as in the cussing, but the cursing as you're belittling a person. You're taking their dignity away. You're not respecting them. You're not giving them honor. When you curse your parents, you're making them out to be insignificant and unimportant. That's why it's so serious to God. Now, as Pastor Terry explained, I think last week, the Bible is his best interpreter. You can read this, and then if you don't understand something, go somewhere else. be Before, after, or around the verse, and you'll probably get a little better understanding, a little more clear understanding, because the Bible is his best interpreter. You can read and understand the whole picture of God. I'm reading a book right now called the, the story of God, the story of us. Amazing book. It it zooms out the picture and you see the whole story of God told in a narrative form. So you're looking at the whole picture. See Jesus says to the Pharisees, You missed the forest for the trees, because you're always zoomed in trying to find every single law and dot and, and I and cross the T. Zoom out. God's working through it the whole time you're alive and not before, after through. God has a story going on. And you're a part of it. It's huge. So the Bible is his best interpreter to understand what's going on. So Ephesians 6, we're going to jump to and see what Paul says. Because Paul, interestingly enough, he not only says something about children and parents, but he quotes the verse that we're talking about. And it's like 6,000 years later, and he quotes the verse. So it's important, not just in the Old Testament, because a lot of us go, oh, the Old Testament, let's skip it and get to the good stuff. But let me tell you, Jesus is not just in the New Testament. He's in the Old Testament. He wasn't up in, up, up in heaven twiddling his fingers until he became a baby. He did stuff. He did work. He got stuff done. He, he was with Israel. He's the one, if you read Colossians, who spoke the earth into existence. It's not just Jesus on the cross. It's Jesus throughout the whole period of eternity. So when you read the Old Testament, you get a picture of God just the same as the New Testament. You just got to study a little harder. So Ephesians 6.1. Paul says, look at children. I want you to obey your parents in the Lord, which is a, a huge modifier, for it is right. Again, pretty simple. Obey your parents in the Lord, for it is right. The context, Paul just taught, this got done speaking in, in uh, chapter 5 about the marriage relationship, about husband and wife, Jesus in the church, and, and he's moving not just the parents in marriage, but the children. And it's interesting enough that, that he's speaking, God is speaking to the children here. I mean, God is touching on the children, going, look, you need to obey your parents. And that's a pretty high expectation for children. One of my uh, mentors, Mark Driscoll, he said uh, about about this verse, children rise to the level of expectation. If there's no expectation, there's nothing for them to rise to. So the question I'm going to ask you, what expectations are you setting for your children? Because you could be teaching them to be a good citizen, to love America, to pray for the president, but you can be also teaching them, okay, just do your taxes. Just use polite manners. And get a good raise in school. Just do good in school. That that bar is low next to a different expectation. When you say, look, you need to love God because God loves you. You need to respect God. I'm going to teach you who God is. I'm going to put in front of you God's word so you can read it, so you can learn about God. The God who put the air in your lungs and the blood in your veins. You can't forget about that God. And if you do forget about that God, there's a reason. Maybe because your parents aren't teaching you. Maybe because no one ever invested in you. So he's saying, look at God puts a high expectation to the children. You need to obey your parents. And the, and the parents, he's speaking to the parents too because he wants the parents to know you're supposed to teach your children about me. It goes both ways. And the word obey packs a crazy heavy punch. It literally means intense act of listening followed by the act of obedience. It, it, it gives a picture of a doorkeeper standing at the door with someone listening intensely and then following the commands. So I know parents love this First, You want to listen before you obey. But actually, you have to listen before you obey. And listening shows honor and respect because you're giving that person time to speak into into your life. See, if you ignore that person, not only is there no chance of actually giving honor, but obedience goes out the window because you don't care about what they're saying. He's saying you need to listen. And that obey word is not just follow rules. It's listen so you can obey. Pay attention. Respect so that you can obey. It implies an inward attitude of respect and honor as well as the external act of obedience. That's the first step in honoring, is actually listening and wanting to listen. So you probably ask, why doesn't the fifth commandment just say, obey your parents? Why didn't God just tell Israel, obey your parents and you're going to live along? Why did he use the word honor? If you don't get anything out of this message, please get this, because this is huge. It's my favorite point. See, you can obey without respect. You can obey people without having a love for them. You can't honor them without having a love for them. You can obey them blindly. You can have a blind obedience, but you can't have a blind honor. Because honor, excuse me, honor actually means you're esteeming value and worth to that person. You can't do that blindly. You can follow rules blindly. The Pharisees did it all the time. Excuse me, the Pharisees loved to follow rules, but didn't care about the God who gave the rules. The Pharisees loved to look nice and, and follow commandments and check off lists, but he, they didn't care about the people that God was talking about. They followed rules but didn't care about God. So you can obey. It, it, it's huge for ch- children and parents for all of us to know this because you can follow rules and care less about the person, care rip. And that's not what God wants you to do. God's not standing that so you can just follow rules and and align in the way your, God wants to, your parents want to raise you up and then go off. God wants you not just to obey rules. It's bigger than that. And as we'll see later, it's bigger than just your parents. It's not just about obedience. It's about esteeming value to someone because God created them. And that's why in the next verse in chapter 6-2, Paul doesn't only say obey your parents. He quotes the verse that we're studying now. So he wants the people he's writing to to go, Look it, I want you to obey. Yeah, obey is good, but I also want you to honor. Don't forget that. Don't separate that. They're one in the same. You can't obey the way God wants you to without honoring them. Now some of you still might be asking, why? Why is this here? Why are we talking about this? Why should we do this? I need some motivation because my parents aren't deserving of this honor. You say, Colossians 3.20. Children, obey your parents in everything for this pleases the Lord. This is talking to the parents and Children even though you might not understand that. He's saying, look it, if you love people, it pleases me. And there's an inseparable connection between loving people and pleasing God. See, you can't love God. You can't be on fire for God. You can't just go to church and say, I'm a Christian and not have a love for people. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. Because God's Bible, the Word, the Word He gave us, is all about loving people and loving Him. They're connected at the hip. They're joined there. You can't say, I'm on fire for God, hallelujah, and then go on and go, I hate that person. I'm not going to, I'm going to neglect them. I'm going to abuse them. I'm going to curse them. I'm going to make them out to be insignificant. It doesn't work. Now, do we do that? Yes. But you can't have a lifestyle of hating people and loving God. They don't work. If you look at the fruits of the Spirit, you know, the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control, all those, they're all relational, not just for yourself. You don't have patience for yourself. That's, you might have a problem there in your mind. It'd be like a bipolar if you have patience for yourself. That's, that's fine. But you also want to have patience with people. You don't want to just be loving with yourself. You, you, you have to love yourself, but God says, love people like you love yourself. So it's always about people and about God and yourself, never just about yourself. All of God's commandments is all about loving and serving people and loving and serving Him. You can't separate the two. It's huge. That's why 1 John 5, 2 says, We know we love God's children if we love God and obey His commandments. Basically, it comes down to this. A love for God equals obeying Him. So if you really love God, prove it by obeying Him. Don't just say it with your mouth. Prove it. And if you obey Him, you're naturally going to love Him. Why? Because His commandments are all about loving people. You can't obey God and not love people, because obeying God means loving people. The greatest commandment, love the Lord your God and love who? Your neighbor. Not just love God, period. It's love your neighbor and God. It's both. See, this whole commandment isn't just about your parents. So if your parents have passed away or if you have a perfect relationship with your parents, that's great, but isn't this about your parents? Take that and, uh, and, and apply it to maybe your boss or maybe your spouse, or maybe your pastor, or someone in authority over you. Because the way you treat your parents and people reflects the way you treat God. So if you ignore people, you're going to ignore God. If you hate people, you're probably going to have a, a grudge against God. You study that. Wonder, I wonder why people have a grudge against God. Maybe because they had a bad relationship with people, with their mother, with their, with their son. Something happened. God took the children away. All about people. It's so connected here. You can't miss that. They're inseparable. Now question number two, what do you do if your parents aren't honorable? So what do you do if in your mind they don't deserve that respect that God is saying? What do you do if they just neglected you your whole life and God is saying you need to honor them? How does that fit together? Let's go back to the story of my mom freaking out in the freeway. That's a good one. So my mom wasn't freaking out because the truck was red or because the 18-wheeler was going fast. Or because the 18-wheeler had a good miles per gallon. No, she was freaking out because it was a big, stinking truck. It was large, weighty, heavy. And the same principle goes to how we see our parents. See, God says, look, you're not honoring based on their performance or how they look or act. You're honoring based on their position. The truck is heavy. No matter where it goes or how fast it goes, it's heavy. The position, the role of the truck is to be heavy. The position and role of the parents, their authority, it demands your honor. Not because of their performance, not how they perform, not how they treated you, but because of how God set it up. And I know this is going to strike a chord with people because I know many people, especially being this youth pastor for two months, and I've talked to so many kids who have broken families, who have mother- mothers and fathers who don't tell their kids they're beautiful or they love them, or have fathers who have abandoned them and neglected them and, and sit on the couch all day and, and don't treat their kids with any kind of respect or any kind of love or any kind of care or goodness or kindness is ignore them. I've, I've talked to kids. Brittany, my wife, has talked to five girls at one time up at camp and they didn't have a father or their father didn't care about them. Five girls in one area in this church. So I know many people have been hurt by their parents. I know people have been neglected or abused or rejected or, or mistreated and it would be convenient for me to tell you do the same back it would be easy for me to say you need to treat them the way they treated you because they deserve it it's easy for you to hate people get this write this down get a tattoo it's is <laughs> is that loud <laughs> <laughs> yeah, heaven <laughs> hating people is much easier than loving people Loving takes much more of your energy, your time, your concentration, your focus, your effort. Everything inside of you, you have to get it out and and up in order to love people. Hating people is easy. I can turn my face, my ear, my correction, my time away from people and ignore them easily. I can hate them. I can neglect them. I can abuse them. We're naturally, natural born sinners. But listen to what God says. Ephesians 4.32. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. Forgiving one another as God and Jesus forgave you. He's saying, look it, I want you to be kind, be tender-hearted, compassionate, patient with one another. Why? Because God did it with you through Jesus' death. Did you deserve it? No. No, 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 no. See, I, I know what I am or what I was. I was a dirt bag without Jesus. And I said this last service, I'm going to say it again. And I'm sorry for offending people, but we're all dirtbags. We're all losers. We're all rebellious people. We're all sinners. But that's not what should define you. It's God's love through Jesus that defines you. Because you've messed up a million times. And I can pinpoint a lot of sins that people just were open. We all have sin. it's no secret. The secret that we don't understand, or the thing that we don't get, is that God already forgave us, so we're able to forgive others. See, that word "forgave" is literally taken from the word grace, and grace means you get something you don't deserve. Like God's love, how we've spent our whole life rejecting Him, abusing Him, neglecting His word, neglecting His people, neglecting the service of, of being around people and, and loving them and, and being humble and patient. We forget and neglect everything God is, and God still says, "I love you." That's the gospel. This is not, we're not playing church. We don't play church. No one here is trying to make up stories so you can give us your money. We can care less about your money. We love God and we love you. That's what the Bible is all about. God is saying, look it, he died for you. He sent his son to die for you. He loved you. And right now you might think, I don't care about God. I, I reject him. That doesn't change the fact that God already loves you and that he will always love you. And that's why we can choose to forgive others. You see, his love frees us from holding grudges and enables us to forgive and bless no matter what the offense. His love does that. You can't do without his love. You try to forgive and bless people who have cursed you without God's love or before you love Jesus. There's no way. You might give some effort, but you fail because we don't have that inside of us. God has to put that inside of us. God not only frees us from the grudges we have, but enables us to actually love people who have so deeply hurt us. That's the hardest thing to do is to love someone and serve someone who has so deeply hurt us. Maybe a spouse or a father or a friend or even a pastor or a president or someone who you think have just, has, has taken advantage of you or, or have, has overlooked you or has hurt you almost, impo- it's, it, it really is impossible to love them without God's love in you. See, when I find it hard to forgive people, when I find it really hard to put up with people who really take me off or get under my skin, God always does one thing and one thing only. He reminds me how much of a fool I've been in my life, and then he reminds me how patient he's been with me, even though I've been a fool. And then that hits me in the heart, and go, and I go, what the heck, God? Now I have to love these people because you did it with me. And that's what he's going to do with you, you might go, man, this person is really annoying or my parent is really neglecting me. They don't care for me or my mother or whatever. You might say, like, they hate me. Why should I give them any respect? Why should I do that? And then God goes, look it, you've hated me. You've spit in my face. You've rejected me. You neglected me. You did everything you could to get away from me. And I still chased after you and loved you. And I still died for you. We don't get that because our minds are so tainted by this selfishness and this sin. We don't realize that God did that, even though we don't deserve it. So he said, look, I want you to do the same to people. And that's the only way you're going to be able to do it. Without him, it's impossible to forgive people, truly. Because you'll be harboring bitterness. And like Pastor Terry and Pastor Blake, they always say, it's like poison. Because you're going to kill yourself really inside. You're going to hurt and harm yourself with bitterness. Not forgiving someone is not going to put harm on you. Like, oh, I have a battle with Michael, and and so I'm going to not forgive him. And I hope that he just feels the pain because I'm not forgiving him. It's going to hurt you more than him. He's going to go, all right, don't forgive me. <laughs> but it's going to hurt you because you're harboring that bitterness and you're concentrating and putting all your energy toward hating him. It takes energy. But it's still easy to do because it's so natural for us. See, you are not perfect. Your parents are not perfect. You have to understand that. Yes, they might not be the best dad or mom. Yes, they might not be the ones who loved you the most. But God calls us to love those who offend us, who overlook us because he did the same thing for us. You can't ignore that. If you do, you're going to be in a painful situation because you're going to deal with a lot of people who offend you, who hurt you, always. As a Christian, as a non-Christian, as a, as a Buddhist or, or a monk, anyone. doesn't no matter where you are in life, people are going to run over you. You have to figure out how to deal with that because that's going to put you down into the dirt if you don't understand how to forgive them and let that go so you can be free to do what you need to do in life. Number three, what is the connection between honoring your parents and the possibility of living long? It's weird because I think some of us think it's a spiritual secret. Like, oh, Chris is going to tell us the spiritual secret. If we honor our parents, we're going to live a long life. Woo! No. See, in all actuality, and I was studying this, I noticed something. We all too often separate the spiritual from the practical. We we all too often think, okay, if you're really spiritual, you're not going to be practical. So look at this line God, and never forget this God created the heavens and the hammer to build your house. He created the galaxies and garlic to put in your pasta. He created angels and atoms that makes the matter that we sit on and look at. See, He is spiritual and practical. You can, the most spiritual people are the most practical. You look at Nehemiah, he spent his whole time praying and also working. He didn't just pray, 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 and hope the work would get done. He prayed, 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 and he worked, 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 worked. It wasn't one or the other. And God's like that same way, and God wants you to be the same way. The most spiritual people are the most practical. We're not floating around, speaking in tongues, singing hallelujah all the time. We're doing work. We're serving people. We're getting in the trenches. We're loving those who hurt us. That's practical. We're giving them what they need. James says, look it, you think true religion is actually going by a homeless person and praying for them? No, no. True religion is saying, look it, you need clothes? I'm going to give you clothes. It's not about the saying, Look it, I'm going to pray for you, brother. I'm going to bless you and hope you get your stuff you need and, and bounce and think, okay, that's Christian by praying for them. No, God says, no, I'd rather have you give them what they need in a physical form than try to pray for them and think, and you're holy. Because you aren't helping that person as much as you giving them what they need. It's practical and spiritual. So Proverbs 4.10, there's a father writing to a son, and he says this, pay attention to what I am teaching you, and you will live long. Huh. Pay attention to what I am teaching you, and you will live long. I did some in-depth, groundbreaking research, and I came up with this. Uh, results. Oh, it's probably three points. It's in depth, so I hope you guys can uh, stomach this. Number one, parents have lived a life a bit longer than their children. They, they live longer. That's pretty hard to find out. Number two, parents were once children. You laugh, but it's serious. Parents have had their share of mistakes and victories. Whoa. My conclusion parents know more than children. I got parents saying amen and my kids going, what the heck are you doing to me, Chris? You're my youth pastor. <laughs> the dichotomy. See, they might not always act the best, speak the best, live the best, but they know how to survive this crazy and chaotic thing called life because they're still alive. They made it. Not always the best. They have wounds and scars to prove it, but they survived this life. I think the reason why this promise is tagged onto honoring your parents is because they know how to for the most part, navigate through life. They know what decisions will bring destruction because they made him. They know what attitudes will yield hurt because they've had them. They know what lifestyles will produce pain because they've lived through that. They also know what paths will bring joy, peace, and success because they've gone down those paths sometime in their life. See, no one can say that their parents didn't teach them anything good in life. That's a cop-out. That's an easy way to say something. Like, oh, my parents didn't teach me any, any, anything good in life. They weren't really good parents. They didn't honor or uh, teach me things. that Their life was horrible. No one can say that. You know why? Because you can learn, you can take, you can mine wisdom from the life of a fool and a king. See, the life of a fool, you go, okay, this person is horrible. Well, I'm going to learn from their mistakes and not repeat them. The life of a king, you understand, okay, maybe they're noble, they're honorable, they're respectful. I'm going to learn from that and take it. So you take the good and the bad and the ugly and you filter through it. You learn from mistakes and you repeat patterns of success. That's why it's practical. If you're going to follow what I do, look, if it harmed me, you probably shouldn't do it. If it brought good to me, you probably should do it. That's what he's saying. It's not a spiritual mystery that God's going to bless you with a long life if you honor your parents. It's practical. Think how many kids get into drug addictions or bad relationships or, or sexually abused or all these things. Maybe because they're not paying attention to what their parents have told them or they haven't noticed something. Like maybe their parents didn't teach them the way they should live or respect people and they went down the wrong path because of that. Just to to throw out. You see, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 10, 6, Now these things took place as examples for us that we might not desire evil as they did. What is he saying? He's saying, look at The whole chapter above that, Paul's writing about things Israel did. Good things, bad things, things that went wrong, things that went right. And he's saying, look it, they were written down so we can learn from them so we don't desire the wrong, the evil that they did. You can learn from their mistakes. They're written down. Read this. You'll learn. All this is is a whole bunch of imperfect people following a perfect God. All this is. A whole bunch of dirt bags following the God who created the dirt. All that is, is people making mistakes and God loving them and then people finding out what that love means. That's God's story. That's the gospel again. People mess up, God intervenes. People still mess up, God intervenes. People still mess up, God intervenes. His love always goes on and on and on like we sang about. Never ends. And you can learn from people's mistakes like that. So as the worship team comes up, we're going to finish with this See, I think God wants us to actually understand that a society in which children cease showing honor to and learning from their parents will cease to be a functioning society, therefore numbering their days. If you cease to honor your parents and stop learning from them, you're not going to be a functioning, efficient, successful society or a children or a person because you're not taking their advice, whether good or bad. See, I have a story, again, about my mom. She's just popular, I guess. Every time my parents were, were disciplining or, or dealing with my sisters, I would always try to, and I still do this. Probably a couple weeks ago, I probably did it. I don't know. Um, well, I did it always. I did look at, they were dealing with my parents, or my, my siblings going, okay, I'm going to discipline you with this, or I'm going to do this. And I would go, no, no, you really need to have Nicole do this and be disciplined more. Or you need to have Catherine. Like, I remember being a kid and going, Nicole should get more time out than what she's getting, mom. Like, you know, trying to tell, like, 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 I knew how it is. And I would butt in and try to teach my mom how to, to, to discipline or my dad how to discipline. My mom would always say this, and it haunts me until today. She said this, like this, I don't ask God for much, but I pray that I'm still alive when you have your own. <laughs> I always laugh and go, sure, mom but I kind of understand it now. See, my parents sacrificed their lives to raise me and my two sisters. They put up with all our complaining, our whining, our disobedience, our pride, our ungratefulness, and they still loved us. my, my, My mom said that because she wanted me to be put in her position so she can see how much energy and care and sacrifice and love she put into raising a punk like me. See, my parents, like God, gave freely. They weren't the best parents. They didn't always do good, good things, the right things, but they gave freely. And their position deserves the honor and respect that I can give, the obedience. And God calls you to do the same thing. Whether your parents are alive or not, people in authority reflect God. The way you reflect, the way you think about people is going to haunt you because that's the way you think about God. So if you don't love people, you're not going to love God. And she was saying that because she wants me to see from her perspective how much she invested in me, so I can see how much honor and respect I owe her. Just quickly, ending. There's some few ways I want you to respond because, of course, hearing this message won't change your life unless you actually respond to it. Maybe your parents did hurt you, harm you, or harass you, and you have the option of either allowing that bitterness to soak in and ruin the way you you have an outlook for people in life, or you had the option of releasing it by giving them the grace and forgiveness they deserve because God did it through Jesus for you. You had that option. You had that power, the possibility. The doors are open. Nothing's holding you back except yourself. Or maybe you're in the habit of cursing them, people in authority, treating them as insignificant, and now it's time to give them the weight their position deserves not just blind obedience but a valuing of a life esteeming worth to a person saying look at God created you I'm going to love you not because of your performance but because of your position and role as a person as God's masterpiece they deserve that